Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for March 14th, 2010. And we're going to just pick back up where we left off the new topic uh, from Cutting Edge. And it says, in the intense chaotic atmosphere following the attacks of 9-11, President Bush seized dictatorial powers which took our breath away. Now we learn a most chilling fact. The President's legal advisors told Bush that he had the authority to massacre civilians. Is this the reason so many tens of thousands of Iraqi citizens were murdered? In the spurious legal authority, the basis upon upon which Bush launched his depleted uranium war on Afghanistan and Iraq. And remember, the New World Order boys always are looking for ways they can kill people. Death and destruction. Just like the devil. To kill, destroy, to steal, you know. Well, they're his his, um, right-hand men. They're the ones that, that do his bidding on this planet, so this shouldn't surprise us. Uh, Bush lawyers said president could order civilians to be massacred. This is from Newsweek. Newsweek! That's an Illuminati propaganda magazine. Why would they talk about this? I think because they're so emboldened, they're so brazen, they're so overconfident, they're, they're letting this stuff come out now. This is from February 19th of, of this year. This is from Newsweek. The chief author of the Bush administration's torture memo told the Justice Department investigators that the president's war-making authority was so broad that he had the constitutional power to order a village to be, quote, massacred, according to the report released Friday night by the Office of Professional Responsibility. It's a quote from the article. While the rest of the article focuses on the issue of torture, The real impact of this legal opinion was probably to reassure the Bush White House that it could massacre an entire nation through depleted uranium wars planned for Afghanistan and Iraq. Once the president obtained this legal opinion, he could use it as the basis upon which he could annihilate the vast majority of Afghan and Iraqi citizens. If a huge wall of criticism later came his way, uh, George W. could hide behind this legal opinion. We posted a most important article on the subject of killing entire nations several years ago. Uh, it's News News 2063, and it will be in here in a link form on the PDF that I put up on the internet on contendingfortruth.com. This was entitled, Blinding Sandstorms, How Depleted Uranium Kills an Entire Population. Once you read this treatise, you'll understand the extreme distance to which the skull and bones are Bush, because these skull and bones are from Yale, took his legal position. I mean, skull and bones like the Freemasons on steroids. Not only did entire villages get massacred, but over the next 15 years, entire nations are going to be massacred. And all because President Bush received the kind of legal authority which told him he could massacre civilians without recourse. Tens of millions will most certainly die. The only question left unanswered is whether the hundreds of millions of people living in the non-integrating nations in the Middle East will die. They certainly are daily breathing uranium-contaminated dust blowing from the battlefields of Iraq and Afghanistan. Now, I'm going to elaborate on this a little bit more. And what I did is I went up and I I found the link to the documentary called Beyond Treason. Now, I bought this and I watched it, and it was just horrific. Um, I'll just read you this excerpt. Department of Defense documents obtained through the Freedom of Information Act expose the horrific underworld of the disposable army mentality and the government-funded experimentation upon U.S. citizens conducted without their knowledge or their consent. See, it wasn't just on the Iraqis and the surrounding nations. It was on our own troops, because they suffered from it just as much as anybody else did. 
if the ones that were over there, is the United States knowingly using a dangerous battlefield weapon banned by the United Nations because of its long-term effects on the local inhabitants and the environment? Explore the legal worldwide sale and use of one of the deadliest weapons ever invented. Was Gulf War illness actually predicted by the DOD, Department of Defense, beforehand? Why are thousands of our men and women in uniform dying to this day? Why won't the mainstream media report this story? Beyond the disclosure of black ops, projects spanning the past six decades beyond treason also addresses the complex subject of Gulf War illness. It includes interviews with experts, both civilian and military, who say that the government is hiding the truth from the public and they can prove it. And I give you the link to, you can watch the whole Beyond Treason for free up on the internet now. And I give you the link there to, to go to. It's topdocumentaryfilms.com if you want to just go there. Topdocumentaryfilms.com and you look for Beyond Trees. And I watched it. I mean, they interview the doctors that were over there that firsthand worked on the troops. In a nutshell, here's what happens. They tip the ballist, certain ballistics used in that were used in the Iraqi war in, in, in the Middle East with these depleted uranium uh, charges. It, depleted uranium is like the byproduct. It's like the used to be the unwanted byproduct of uranium refinement and enrichment. Okay. Uranium only has one little tiny part of it that can actually be used for like, you know, nuclear reactors and stuff like that. The rest of it is just junk. Okay. And before I don't I don't know what they were exactly doing with it, it would literally be considered toxic waste, but now they found a use for it. They were tipping the ballistics that were being used over in the Middle East with this. And what would happen is, is if you fired around um a ballistic that was tipped with depleted uranium, if it hit armor, what it would do is literally, when the depleted uranium hit it, it would literally melt through the armor. And it would make the ballistic go into the... So the, the weapons were way more effective because they used it. The problem is, is once that depleted uranium had melted through there, it atomized. It like went into like beyond dust, got into the environment, got all in the sand. They have all those windstorms over there. Blow it in there causing all kind of unbelievably horrific birth defects to the point where I've been told by seeing this on the research I've done that when they have babies over there like in Iraq and these places where that's been affected by this, they don't ask if the baby's a boy or girl when it comes out. They ask, is it normal? Because so much of the time now these babies are born horrifically deformed from this. So, and then the troops coming home. I mean, you're going to see in this documentary... I'm not making this stuff up. If you had ordered the DVDs, there's a whole other separate DVD they give you that's all the documentation that they've got from the Freedom of Information Act. It's not biased research. It's just facts. So that's what you're going to see. That's what our lovely government has condoned and done in this big, gigantic cover-up. So just one more thing to to think about, to pray about, um, and it's been absolutely thoroughly documented, but at the same time very, very much suppressed as well. Uh, Let's go on to the next thing here. The next thing, just a point I kind of want to make on these massive high-level resignations that we're seeing take place. Since the first of the year, there has been a palpable exodus pattern from corporations. CEOs, CFOs, and other noteworthy officers are suddenly giving their resignation. Whether they have someplace else to go or not, many give extremely vague reasons for leaving, or leave in such a rush that no replacement has been located. Leaving the board or the senior management will step 
uh, leaving the board or senior management to step in to fill the void. This pattern was first noticed by someone who works in the markets and recognized the pattern as unusual. Uh, This is an article, and it was entitled, Over 50 Unexpected CEO and DFO Resignations in the Last Three Weeks. These are almost all in the last three weeks, or about 15 in the last three weeks. The following, this this followed the stock market closely. Just anecdotally, I've never seen this many in a year, let alone a month. So people that follow this stuff, in the financial, you know, Wall Streeters and stuff like that, this guy's saying, I've never seen this many in a year, let alone a month, in a three-week period. Of course, the economy is lousy, but it has been lousy for over a year since the housing bubble burst and the Wall Street crash. This trend is new and follows another noted trend. Police chiefs are also resigning in record record numbers. Also perhaps related is over 120 members of parliament in the UK are retiring. The first, they, they give you 50 major CEO and CFO resignations are listed below of major... Sun Microsystems, Royal Bank of Scotland, Bank Lemu of Israel, Leeward Capital CEO and CFO, um, Ingersoll Rand, Gasco, Sintel, Motion Picture Television Fund, Grain Corp. You, there's 50 of them right here, and that's just the first 50. Like there's this mass, mass, mass exited out of people in very, very high-level positions. As with sudden and unwarranted resignations of police chiefs recently noted, and this is all. This article has all the links you can go to that you can click into that if you want to explore the subject further. So I give you all the resources to do that. Um, there is more than meets the eye to the situation. Whereas CEO resignations are somewhat common, particularly during tough economic times when the stockholders are restless and boards determined to show some type of action on the leadership front, this recent spate of resignations is unusual because of the size and industry leadership of the companies involved. Someone watching the financial pages where a certain weight must be attached to a corporation before warranting a mention would notice the spate of resignations as very unusual. These are corporations that translate to public policy or international influence or the state of of the economy overall. These are not the corner grocery stores or the local bars. Thus, the comment by the poster who stated he is following the stock market closely is pertinent. Many resignations are sudden, without a replacement um, in hand, or given vague reasons for the resignation. So what's going on? Where police chiefs are giving lectures on what steps may be required to quell, to quell riots in the near future, heads of corporations get a different message. Many have indeed heard rumors about the coming global potential global catastrophes. And again, I think that would encompass possibly maybe World War III, maybe a biological event. Maybe a nuclear event. Maybe, you know, we're seeing all these earthquakes and all these things, and the Bible predicts these things are going to be happening. Earthquakes and diverse places and pe- plagues and pestilences. A lot of, there's a lot of handwriting on the wall, in other words. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Such verification can be nothing more than a raised eyebrow, a moment of silence, where the silence speaks speaks volumes, but the message has been delivered. Many view the requirement that they stand in place pretending that all is well to be unbearable. In other words, there's a lot of probably inside knowledge that's been leaked to them in a preparatory fashion, and some of these people just can't stand silent. They just gotta go. They, they, maybe, you know, a lot of these people hopefully still have a conscience, and they're like, I'm, I'm out of here. Maybe it's not for that reason at all. Maybe it's just because they're wanting to, um, get out before the system crumbles. 
Most of these individuals has, have climbed to the seat of power by being ruthless, putting themselves first, and would not operate out of a sense of duty while the ship goes down under any circumstances. They foresee being asked to maintain a facade that all is well when the economy um, crashes. They see what is coming and they want to pull their wealth from the stocks and put it into things to be that appear to be more substantial, to move inland from the coast and not be required to maintain a residence in any kind, in any area that may become unsafe. reason they, they said that is because of the potential of possible tsunamis, things of this nature. They want their freedom to move in short. So, something to think about. There's a lot of people, mass exodus out of these corporations. You know, we I think a lot of it, like our local sheriff, who I've met with, with the H1N1, I mean, I really, I really love the guy. Um, I really believe he's trying to do the right thing, but I just wonder how much he can take. You know, I wouldn't be surprised one bit to see him step down, uh, because I think as he learns of more and more draconian things that he may have to be um, put in a position to implement, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. And so, it's just something to think about there. I posted a link here to some excellent Christian preparedness videos on YouTube. It's Dan Boone 143 is his um, the end of the website address on the YouTube. Dan Boone one word, 143. He's got some really good stuff from a Christian perspective on survival and uh, just good free videos up there you can go watch. Uh, next thing I wanted to mention there was a uh, We've got some questions about this whole thing where they've had accusations against... Uh, Gail Ripplinger has had accusations against Pastor D.A. Waite. Um, uh, let's see here. Gail Ripplinger has evidently issued a 61-page attack on him. And uh, he answers all of this, and Dr. Phil Stringer does as well. You know, <laughs> my personal opinion looking at this situation is that Gail Ripplinger's been put in a position where she's had a lot of very credible uh, things leveled against her. And I have learned from dealing with people like her that the first thing they will do is turn around and attack you and make you out to be the bad guy. So it looks like you're having an axe to grind with them. This is how people with accusing spirits operate. And I haven't had any good experiences with Gail Ripplinger for quite some time, to be quite honest. Uh, it seems like at some point she had a level of humility, and the more that I dealt with her, the further she got on with her ministry, the more that she just ignored things that I asked her. Uh, that was the typical response, is she just ignored me when I would have valid questions for her. And it was, I wasn't trying to challenge her, I was just trying, needed some help about this or that or whatever. And... Um, you know, I believe and totally stand by Pastor D.A. Waite and by Dr. Phil Stringer. And Pastor D.A. Waite, he's a doctor as well. He's got over 60 plus years regarding the King James issues. 60 plus years um, regarding those issues. And I believe he has a lot of biblical balance regarding that issue. And um, Gail Ripplinger, I don't know. It's like it's like she's went off the deep end is all I can really say. That's been my... never said anything about this before. But, you know, I just see this happening and I've seen all the, the, the links that he's had to go to to try to defend himself. And, uh, you know, I'm going to say a little bit about it. And that's all I'm going to say. Now, I've given you all the links you can go to up there 
where you can read you you can read what she says and then you can read his response to this and um, you know I think we're supposed to defend you know those that are worthy of defending and and I believe that man I, I mean I love him and um, I believe that he's worthy to be defended so anyway let's go further this next article is the Census Bureau Exposed. And um, this is an expose of the Census Bureau. This video itemizes the fundamental legal questions that the Census Bureau refuses or fails to answer. Now, I'm not going to play the video, um, but I'm just going to go through a little bit of it. Because right now we're on the cusp of these census workers coming to your house and you're going to be sent stuff in the mail if you're in America. And again, it's it's, you know... You look at what happened with David when he tried to number the people. I mean, you know, God gave him what it was like three choices, and I mean, none of them were great. You know, all of them invi- involved a lot of people dying. So I don't really believe the census is even biblical from that standpoint. I know there's, there's, um, uh, in the I guess they're talking about here in the Fourth Amendment, the Bill of Rights. Um, no, we're going to be looking at what is actually in the government. But they have the authority to do this once every 10 years. And now it's been, you know, constantly being bombarded. Every year I'm going over this stuff over and over again. And uh, they have no constitutional authority to do this. But anyway, um, this video itemizes the fundamental legal questions that the Census Bureau refuses or fails to answer about its collection and the use of personal information from every American. We're going to look at the questions below. The program aired on Matrix, Matrix News Network on January of 2010. Without any apparent authority, the U.S. Census Bureau has expanded its information gathering activities. In addition to the once in 10 years census authorized by the Constitution, the Census Bureau conducts more in-depth surveys of 250,000 Americans every month of every year. Every month of every year. It has no constitutional authority for that. In fact, the Bureau is violating the Fourth Amendment to the Bill of Rights by suggesting that Americans are obligated to provide any personal information whatsoever to the government. The Constitution allows that the government allows the government to count people once every ten years, but does not require any American to be counted or to provide any information at all much less to provide personal information to some temporary worker or complete stranger who comes to your door flashing a census badge. And not only that, there's other people out there that aren't even census workers that are doing this, working some kind of scam. So you don't know who's going to be at your front door. Americans have been given very false impressions and presumptions of the authority of government to invade their lives. Even the census takers themselves are often misinformed of the limits of government. Once your information is out there, it's out there for good. There's no such thing as a, quote, secure database in government. Government data is bought, lost, stolen, and viewed every day by everyone from law enforcement to criminals at all levels of society. Spill your life to strangers at your front door or on the questionnaire at your own risk. Beyond that question, if we agree to pass over our private information to bureaucrats, is there any limit to what they will ask for next? You know there's that Bible verse, resist the devil and he will flee? Well, a lot of what we're talking about on a daily, when we get into these current events, a lot of it really involves resisting the devil, resisting evil. You may not have been aware it was evil before we went over the information, but once you're educated about it, you know, it's something that you should pray about. 
The USA has become something very different than the country of our origin. We have already lost many of our rights and freedoms that were given to us by God and were protected for us again in the Constitution to a certain extent. Our constitutional framers never imagined the spending, waste, taxation, intrusion, and aggression that our government now commits with, without restraint. How did this happen? When our government pushes us, we fail, we fail to push back. Um, so after many decades of that, the government simply sees no boundaries at all on its own presumed force and authority. And that's exactly it. You know, If you let the devil come in, if you don't protest him coming in, then he's going to try to come in a little more, and a little more, and a little more. It is our government. It is our government. It should be our servant. Government can have no authority but that which it derives from us. But government employees, officials, and representatives do need to be reminded of that on a regular basis. Questions that the Census Bureau... Here are the questions that the Census Bureau refused or failed to answer. This is from Jerry's Jerry Day's Matrix News Network, entitled, The, the Census is Getting Personal. Uh, and then he goes on to say, I strongly suggest answering these questions of your census taker, especially if they show up with an American Community Survey form. Now, you can go up and either... Do a keyword search for those words I just said, or you can go up to the PDF here, copy and paste these questions. Number one, the Constitution authorizes government. In other words, before you give them a shred of information about yourself, they should be able to be willing to answer these questions first, because they override whatever they would want to ask you. Number one, the Constitution authorizes government to count people, but it does not authorize the taking of private information, or even the names of the individuals. From where does the Census Bureau derive authority to demand our private information? Okay. Now remember, these questions were already posed to the Census, and they refused to answer them. So if they refuse to answer these, why should we answer any of their questions? Two, is there any limit to the amount and type of private information that the Census Bureau may demand and collect? Third question, under what constitutional authority does the Census Bureau collect information now from 250,000 people per month of every year? Four, the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution prohibits government search and seizure of private information without a court warrant based on probable cause. The current census policies violate that amendment, do they not? Number five, by what constitutional authority does the Census Bureau threaten penalties for failure to provide personal information? Sixth question. The Census Bureau claims it maintains privacy of personal information. Are there any circumstances under which law enforcement or spy agencies can access census information? Oh, I bet you there is. Seventh question. Since presumably census data may be subpoenaed by law enforcement, may individuals refuse to answer questions according to the Fifth Amendment? Eighth question. Why has the Census Bureau decided to collect GPS coordinates for every home? Now, this is what we talked a lot about last year. They're coming to your front door, and they're doing that GPS thing at, the, at your front door. Why? Well, maybe when the red and the blue list kick in, and they have their lists all going... Steve Quayle said that, that, that he watched the Census Bureau on his street up there in Montana, and he said it only went to the three houses, and the three houses it went to were the ones that, would, that he knew, because he knows everybody in the street, that he knew would, would um, um, resist the government or resist the evil when things got bad. Why would they want to mark their doors, just their doors? Huh. Well, I think that's pretty easy to figure out. 
I mean, that right there is the most draconian thing they're doing, as far as I'm concerned. GPS coordinates? What right do they have to come in there and do all this? They don't. Number nine, virtually every government database has either been lost, hacked, or compromised. Would the Census Bureau's claim of data security not be an outright lie, or at best highly improbable? Ten, how would Census Bureau locate, protect, and compensate those individuals whose data has become compromised? Yeah, compromise, I'm sorry. If you didn't already click on the link in the first paragraph to watch the video, you can click it. So, again, you can go up there and watch the whole video and, and see the whole thing there. Okay, so this next part we're getting into here is about, it's called Naked Church. A church that's actually in Virginia, and this was on ABC News, and you're going to be... Um, uh, one of my listeners put put up this video to expose this, and uh, we're going to be looking at this and some Bible verses that talk about this particular subject. And this is probably a better way to see this because you can actually go view the video, but I, I wouldn't recommend it. It's it's uh, it's just disgusting. Is really what it is. It's church like you've never seen it before. You come as you are. The pastor bears his soul, and more. Let's be more listening. Let's let us hear exactly what you... This guy, this pastor, is buck naked behind the pulpit, behind a wooden pulpit, and his deacon over there is buck naked. Not a stitch of clothes on him. And they're up there behind the pulpit. And this is who you're hearing right now. you got plans for us, Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's okay to drop in and drop your clothes. On this day, most were covered up because of our cameras, but they insist they're comfortable receiving the word of God from a pastor in his birthday suit. I really don't think God cares what you wear when you worship. The, the thing is worship. But as people, No, it's not. It's doing what the Bible says to do. And we're going to look at the Bible verses that talk about this subject specifically. And if these people would just open their Bible and read it, they would understand what an abomination this is and what a reproach this is to Jesus Christ. Well, outside this congregation about a naked church, and you'll get this reaction. A whole... Oh, my goodness. Do you think it's disrespectful at all? Yeah. No. It's not re- that's re- disrespectful to God. Absolutely not. Now, this woman is saying it's not disrespectful for God. What Bible verses is she using to back that up? They're using a lot of different things. You're going to hear a couple things that he says at the end. Um, and it's just so pathetic. It's purely, they're being, they're not going anything by the Bible. They're purely going off what their heart, what their heart is deceiving them into believing. And the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And he who trusteth his own heart is a fool, according to the Bible. Proverbs 28, 26. And the other one was Jeremiah 17, 9. So, let's go further. I wouldn't be here. Some of the biggest moments in Jesus' life, he was naked. Uh, when he was born, he was naked. When he was crucified, he was naked. And when he arose, he left his clothes in the tomb, and he was naked. If God made us that way, how can that be wrong? Well, again, he's just ignoring a ton of other Bible verses. And when Jesus was naked on the cross, he was bearing the shame and reproach of all mankind. It wasn't exactly a, a great example of what we should go around and be doing. All babies are born naked, but you know what? You put clothes on them after they're born. 
I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, when Adam and Eve were, were uh, after that they had sinned, what did God do? He clothed them. And we're going to look at a whole bunch more verses, too. Why do they do this? Well, the chapel is part of the Whitetail Nudist Resort in Ivor, the only year-round nudist resort in Virginia. It opened back in 1984, and prayers are being answered here in more ways than one. Management here says, before anybody prayers passes the judgment, the naked truth is, in this down economy, business is up 12%. It shows that this guy's doing this interview, and they've got all these, these uh, middle-aged, elderly, perverted men playing naked volleyball in a swimming pool and their bottom parts covered up. So, it's it's so disgusting. Obviously, you were doing something that people like. Business is booming. More than 10,000 people visited last year. Forbes magazine reports the new travel business can rake in... That's because the world's getting more sick and perverted and twisted by the day. That's the only reason business is booming. Doesn't mean God's putting his rubber stamp of approval on it, though. $800 million a year. What does being a nudist, what does that do for you, sir? It's a very comfortable, I'm comfortable in my body, even with the scars and everything else. It's very stress-free. These folks say being nudist has nothing to do with anything sexual. It's about being free of societal judgments. I come here and, and you know, you look around, you, you can't tell who's unemployed and who the millionaire is. Who the corporate executive is and who the plumber is. Because there's no pressure to be anything other than who you are. And they say that applies even if you're naked in church. They're caring, they're understanding, and they're, they're community-oriented, and they're family-oriented. Uh, we have one of the nicest, most... Fa- family-oriented. That's a great example to be setting for your kids. The mommy and daddy be walking around buck-naked and everybody else and exposing all that to everyone else. That is just... Wonderful example of the way you should raise your children. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'd all agree there. Obviously, I'm being extremely sarcastic. All chapels of any place around. I'll put our chapel up against just about any other church around. I consider it a privilege and yeah. a gift that God's given. Yeah, the satanic church. I'd put them against the satanic church any day. In Ivor, LaSalle Blanks, 13 News. Actually, I think, though, that with the satanic church, God would be uh, less offended because at least they're honest. At least they're up front about, you know, their hatred toward the scriptures and God. These people are using the, the, um, the Bible as a springboard for their perversions, which I would believe is a larger abomination in God's eyes than the satanic church. At least the satanic church or occultists are being honest about it. Now let's look at some Bible verses regarding this subject. I've already brought up some, but here's some other ones where it talks about nakedness in the Bible. Genesis 9.22 And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, this was after the flood, and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon their shoulders and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. In other words, they weren't supposed to look upon the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward. And now this was even before the law was given, where um, it, it talks a lot about that in um, Leviticus. Okay, where we're not supposed to look upon the nakedness of our mother or our father or our sisters and aunts and uncles and things of this nature. They, this is just something that nature, that we know from a moral standpoint, we just know is wrong. Okay, so let's go further. Um, Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it, 
upon their shoulders, went backward, covered the nakedness of the father. Their faces were backward, and they saw not their father's nakedness. Now, so far, does this sound like an endorsement that we should be walking around buck naked in front of everybody? Genesis, next verse. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be unto his brethren. My comment. Canaan was Ham's son. God had already blessed Noah's son, including Ham, in Genesis 9.1, which was the start of the chapter, where he said, And God blessed Noah and his sons, and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So, because Ham had just been blessed by God, I believe this is why Noah cursed Canaan, which was Ham's son. Because he couldn't curse Ham, because God had just blessed him. I, I believe that's how that all worked out. So, just, you know, curse came upon him regarding this. Uh, Exodus 20, 20, 26. Neither shalt thou go up the steps of mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. This was just when... Um, you know, if, if uh, somebody during a uh, religious thing, if you're going to sacrifice to God, you know, they wore, uh, I guess you would call them long skirts type of, types of things, and you could potentially have your nakedness be exposed with that. And, um, I mean, you know, if it was like even a robe type of thing, okay? You were supposed to um, conduct yourself in a certain way that your nakedness was not exposed or discovered. Exodus 28.42 And thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness. Okay, this is God instructing them on how to make garments to cover their nakedness. From the loins even unto the thighs shall they reach. Okay, so your thighs were covered as, as, a, as a man and, um, you know, to cover your nakedness. Leviticus 18.6 None of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. Okay, now it goes on and on to get very, very specific. Dads, moms, brothers, sisters. Okay, I won't get into all those verses, but it goes on and on and on to define this because it is a big deal to God. Um, and this is a big reason that when they were trying to kick my mom out of hospice in this last time, this one lady, this main social worker came to me and she, and she said her husband was a minister. And she was putting all this pressure on me to send my mom home. Why? Because of the money. Because my mom died. When she died, she didn't have insurance. My parents had had their, their uh, company over a 10 year period. It was, it was totally stolen from them by this family up in Minnesota. They had sold to them, agreed to pay them. They didn't get paid. They had their company stolen, and um, during that time they lost everything. So they didn't have any money to go out and get good insurance. She wasn't old enough to qualify for Medicare. So when all this happened, I had to scramble and try to apply for Medicaid on her behalf and then Social Security Disability, which turned out to be, uh, I saw how corrupt they were, Social Security. And um, I told the lady, I said, if you send her home, I said, you're going to be, I said, you. she told me she had a, a son that was a minister in um, a pastor or something in like Montana or something. And I said, you know, you said your, your, your son's a, uh, a pastor. I said, you know, the Bible says in Leviticus that I am not supposed to look upon the nakedness of my mother, for she is my mother. And I said, you're putting me in a position where, where you're wanting me to violate that verse. And, you know, she just kind of looked at me and, and shrugged her shoulders like, you know, I can't do anything about it. Now, I understand she was probably taking orders from above, but, you know, 
I quoted that Bible verse back to God and said, Lord, I, I don't want to look upon the nakedness of my mother. It's wrong. Not only that, she required 24-7 nursing, and I was not qualified for that. So the Lord was merciful and intervened and um, you know, made it so that I that, uh, had a few things happen in, in about a one- to two-day period that, um, where that was a non-issue anymore. And uh, so I, I thank God for that. But, you know, there's verses that I believe you can go to God if you're put in a position that's unbiblical. There's verses you can go to God with. The Bible says, come let us reason together, saith the Lord. And you can go, I mean, I don't say you go to him with an attitude, but the Bible talks about coming boldly before the throne of grace to make your supplications known through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, these types of things. And we can go before God and petition him. Jesus Christ, the Bible talks about, is our heavenly advocate. He's like our lawyer, kind of like a heavenly lawyer on our behalf. And and, um, we can go and and cite Bible verses, and um, I believe that's biblical. You know, I think you want to have all your sins or whatever that confess before you do that as well. And there's a lot of things that can get your prayers hindered. Um, and I've done whole teachings on that. You can just key in prayer and Scott Johnson up on YouTube and you'll find those. So anyway, um, let's see. Deuteronomy 28.48 Therefore shall thou serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee, in hunger and in thirst. Now, this is judgment. This is God's judgment now. He says, you're going to serve your enemies, which the Lord shall send against you, in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness. And in one of things, he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he have destroyed thee. That's that's a great... Why doesn't that... that um, preacher, preach on that. What does he do with that verse? In nakedness. I mean, it's obviously hand in hand with judgment. But these people have no shame at all. They have no conscience and no shame. They're perverts. That's all they are. They can put a Christian veneer on it all day long. They're perverts. They're of a reprobate mind. They, I mean, I'm sorry, I just don't get that. What they're doing But there we have a verse of judgment. Hunger, thirst, nakedness, one of all things. God's going to put a yoke of iron on their neck until he's destroyed them. Yeah, that's a pretty good endorsement for going around naked. I mean, you know, come on. Isaiah 47.3, thy nakedness shall be uncovered, which, again, this is judgment. Thy nakedness shall be uncovered, yea, thy shame shall be seen. I will take vengeance, I will not meet thee as a man. Remember that one battle that they had went into um, with... um, I believe Israel, and they took and they, they cut half like their skirt so that their nakedness was partially showing. That was a sign of, of, of shame, you know. Even the enemies knew that. It wasn't a sign that they were glorying in this. Uh, let's go further. I mean, thy nakedness shall be uncovered, yea, thy shame shall be seen. So when your nakedness is uncovered, your shame is seen. And then he says, I will take vengeance... I will not meet thee as a man. It's, it's a sign of judgment and vengeance of God. And for people to go around and voluntarily do this, it's just like, what are they saying? They're basically saying, God, we don't care what you say. Rain down your fury on us because we're asking for your judgment. This is really kind of what they're asking for, to me. It, the way that the Bible lays things out. Lamentations 1.8 Jerusalem hath grievously sinned 
Therefore she is removed. All that honored her despise her, because they have seen her nakedness. Yea, she sigheth and turneth backward. Judgment. I mean, what was the what was the crux of the judgment? Because they have seen her nakedness. She's removed, she's despised, she's grievously sinned. Ezekiel 16.8 Now when I passed by thee and I looked upon thee, behold, thy time was the time of love. And I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. So this is the ob- opposite of judgment. God is actually covering someone's nakedness now. Okay, And this is a sign of God's compassion. When God unclothes you, it's a sign of his judgment. When God covers you, it's a sign of his compassion. And then he goes on to say, Yea, I swear unto thee, and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. Habakkuk 2.15 Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that putteth thy bottle to him, and maketh him drunken also, that thou mayest look upon their nakedness. There's a judgment verse there, too. You know, this is why a lot of guys go out and they try to get girls drunk, or they slip those date rape date rape drugs into their drinks. Why? So that they can get them home and look upon their nakedness and rape them. It's, it's, it's an abomination. Revelation 3.18 I counsel thee, this is the Laodicean church era, this is the, this is the church era that we're living in. I can't imagine a better verse to, to speak to those, those reprobates that we just heard in that video. I'm not saying I think I'm Mr. Perfect in goody two-shoes either. Okay, like I said, if I got what I deserved, I'd get death and hell apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. But I mean, this is just open, openly being a reprobate and being proud of it. And what are they doing? They're doing exactly what 1 Corinthians 5 says, where it talked about you know, there's, there's something that's done among you that's not even done among the heathen, in that a man has taken his, father, his father's wife to wed. He's marrying his I probably, I'm hoping it was his stepmom. And then it goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 5, but you glory in your shame. This is exactly what these reprobates are doing. They're glorying in their shame. They're saying, we're so, we're so spiritual, and we so have it together that, you know, we can do this. We have liberty, right? We're not supposed to use our liberty that, that um, sin may abound. You know, we're not supposed to use our liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Well, I would say a naked church is pretty much the epitome of an occasion to the flesh. It says, I counsel of thee to buy me gold, tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. And white raiment, raiment is a garment, that thou mayest be clothed. And that thy shame of thy nakedness do not appear. I mean, that's what the Bible says, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Now, I pray those people get saved, but, you know, I, I tell you, if anybody I've ever seen being turned over to a reprobate mind and having their conscience seared with a hot iron and giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, like the Bible talks about in 1 Timothy 4.1, if there's any church I've ever seen that has that verse going on, I would say they're it. Here's another uh, article about the wonderful state of the church. Uh, Let's see here. Sin City comes to church. Revolution Church in Canton and Jasper, Georgia is doing an entire sermon series with a poker gambling theme entitled, quote, All In. Like the gambling term, All In. 
This is not a series that warns of the dangers of sin or gambling. This is a series that embraces poker and gambling metaphors. And they have their church revolution. Church presents all in. And it's got this this, uh, Las Vegas style sign. This is wrong on so many levels, but look, let's just look at three reasons why this is wrong. Number one, take a look at the surface of the series. We see obvious mixing of the sacred um, and the secular at Revolution Church. If there were ever a pagan capital of worldliness, Las Vegas would be it. It is called Sin City for a reason. Therefore, bringing Las Vegas poker and gambling into a church is a clear violation of God's word. Number one, we're not supposed to be unequally yoked to supposed to be equally yoked together with unbelievers. We're supposed to abstain from all appearance of evil, as the Bible talks about. Abstain from all appearance of evil. We're supposed to reprove and um, rebuke and refute and manifest the unfruitful works of darkness. We're not supposed to participate in them. We're supposed to do the opposite. James 1.27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widow in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. That's another verse. And it shows this guy, he's an Elvis impersonator, and he's got this, he's on stage, evidently, at this church, and it says, Revolution, all in, sign in the background. Um, And he's got two huge playing cards behind him, and he's up there doing his Elvis impersonation. I mean, what an abomination. James 4, 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. There's another really good verse. Second reason. Last time we checked, there's still a lot of Christians who believe that gambling is a sin. Gambling is also an addiction that many Christians struggle with. So bringing Las Vegas poker and gambling into church is a clear violation of Romans 14.21, which says we should not do anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. So in other words, if you're Mr. Mega Super Christian or whatever, you fancy yourself to be that, and you say, oh, I have, you know, I'm so spiritual and wonderful, I can go and gamble and do this or do that, and your weaker brother sees that and then falls into sin that maybe he had a major problem with, you're, you're putting a stumbling block before him. You shouldn't be doing that garbage anyway. It's an abomination. Where does the money go <laughs> that that you're gambling with? Where does that end up going? I mean, is it going toward godly means? You're just taking money that's really God's money because everything you own is God's. It's not just, you know, whatever you may fancy it to be. It's all God's. His body's yours. He owns you. And you're taking that money and you are just using it for satanic purposes. Uh, third point. If you listen to the sermon, you'll find Pastor Lamb... I, I have a comment here. I said it should be Pastor Leading the Lambs to Slaughter, because his name's Pastor Lamb. I think he should broaden his name. Pastor Leading the Lambs to Slaughter. Like the Bible says, if the blind leadeth the blind, they're both going to fall in a ditch. You get behind a pastor like this, this wonderful pastor here, I'm looking at him, he's got a Las Vegas style thing in the back of him, he's dressed up like one of those guys that deals cards, and he's got one of those visors on, those see-through visors like the card guy's wearing, a little bow tie, he's got his arm, uh, he's got these little armband things on, he's wearing this white shirt and a vest. He looks like one of the guys in Vegas that deals cards. And he's got literally a poker table in front of him with chips and cards and everything. This is how, evidently, I guess this is how he's doing the sermon. But anyway, um, oh man, it's just unbelievable what's going on. 
he, this Pastor Lamb delivered a non-biblical message that taught the value of being a risk taker. <laughs> Pastor Lamb was also very crass and used foul language during his sermon. Why doesn't that surprise me? I mean, you know. Jesus was barely mentioned, but Pastor Lamb sure did talk about himself a lot. And, thru- and the thrust of his message made it sound like it is a sin not to be a, res- a reckless risk taker. That's what he... That's a great message. I mean, you know, that's what I would want my, you know, people that I would send to him. I want them to hear a great message like that. And then it says, There is no mention of sin, Christ crucified for sinners, repentance, or the gospel. Fact is, the sermon could have been presented at a business conference or in a group therapy session or a Tony Robbins infomercial and would not have sounded out of place. There was nothing Christian about it. It was about as Christ-less, cross-less, and man-centered as you can get. There's even a little link here. You can go and uh, get your ears tickled if you want to hear the sermon. Oh, unbelievable. Next article. New Apostolic Reformation. Adam Cadmon in DNA. This is very interesting, this article here. Have you noticed lately that most of the big names in the prophetic and apostolic movement are increasingly sprinkling, sprinkling the term DNA? into their vocabulary. DNA is like the building block of us, who we are, what makes us unique and different from one to another. Deoxyribonucleic acid is what it's actually, the full name. Okay, whereas you have RNA, which is ribonucleic acid. Okay, so anyway, no longer content to hide their damnable heresies, they are brazenly flaunting their apostasy to the unsuspecting church through their use of doublespeak. It is a known fact that nothing is harder to find than something that is hidden in plain sight. Now, I like this article because it confirms a lot of different stuff, a lot of different subjects I've talked about in times past. And so much so that as I was going through this, I said, oh, I've already talked about that. And I went up to YouTube and I did a keyword search for my name and, and the teaching I did on it. And I, I gave you a whole bunch of links here. If you want to click into them, you can hear a, a broader uh, thing on this because this is just a short article we're going to be going into. To understand the serious implications of the term DNA, it is important to understand that the Dominionist doctrine, embraced by an increasing number of apostate ministries, is straight from the occult. Dominionism, Kingdom Now, Reconstructionism, Theonomy, they're all basically different flavors of the same thing, those movements. From the very seeds of civilization, Gnostic sects, the word Gnostic means hidden knowledge, Occult, that word essentially means hidden knowledge. And Gnostic and occult is the basis for all these secret societies and the Babylonian mystery religions and almost every apostate religion or cult on the planet. Why? Because if you go in and you want to advance further and further and further, what are you trying to obtain? You're trying to obtain this hidden knowledge whereby I will have more power or I will have more recognition or I will make more money or whatever your goal is. Okay, so... Um, let's see here. Gnostic sects and keepers of the Gnostic Kabbalistic Kabbalistic dogma, uh, the Kabbalah being the highest form of Jewish witchcraft mysticism that is practiced, um, Gnostic Kabbalah doctrine have spoken of humankind evolving into a god-like being. The Kabbalah calls this being Adam Kadmon, or God-man. The name Adam refers to the entire human race, obviously through Adam, and the term Cadman refers to completion. Thus, Adam Cadman speaks of a return to our beginning with all the knowledge, wisdom, and enlightenment of the, quote, first Adam. 
Those who embrace this doctrine firmly believe we can return to the Garden of Eden by becoming Adam Cadman and creating heaven on earth. Remember, that's what I always told dominionists believe. They believe that they're going to they're gonna usher in the kingdom of God. Apart from the tribulation, none of that's going to happen. Everything's going to just keep getting better and better and better to the point where Jesus Christ is going to have no choice but to come back and set up his throne on planet earth. Uh, apart from all the stuff going on in Revelation, all that, no, 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 no. The church is just going to overrule and override that because they're just so holy. You know, and we've been seeing an example of, of a couple examples we just take a, took a look at of the state the church is in. Of course, I wouldn't call any of that the church, the true church, but they're posing as that at least. Uh, once one becomes Adam Cadman through the activation of the divine nature, when enough of mankind has activated their divine nature, we will evolve and become, quote, the corporate Christ. DNA stands, in their application, it stands for divine nature activation. It is being tossed around in the Christian community quite frequently. Doing a quick online search using the term DNA activation will return a myriad of occult websites for your perusal. So, in other words, you've got totally occultic, satanic practices going on in the church, and the people just sit there and eat it up. It's just, oh, this is of God. This sounds great. This is tickling my ears. Well, the Bible says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25 says that. And again, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So, this is people's hearts deceiving them. These are people that have not done their homework, have no desire to do their homework, are not reading the Bible at all. Surely not reading the King James Bible. Most of them. Some of them maybe, but most aren't. Uh, It just goes on and on. Let's see here. Um, Let's see. Adherents of these occultic beliefs claim that the inactivated part of our DNA is preventing us from becoming God. Now, we talked about this a little while back, and I'm going to reread the excerpt from from my listener that talked about junk DNA. This is supposedly this inactivated part of our DNA that's prevented, preventing us from becoming God. They claim we have the divinity and enlightenment of Adam Cadmon encoded into our DNA. As more and more of us activate this divine nature, we will corporately become the Adam Cadmon, return to the garden and usher in heaven on earth. Yeah, right, okay. Is this starting to sound familiar? It should. It is exactly what the false apostles of the prophets of the New Apostolic Reformation teach. This is like, you know, the Todd, or we refer to him as Odd Bentley, and, and, you know, all these guys, the Rick Joyners, all the really, really, really radical, charismatic dudes. Hey, I was there. (laughs) Okay, I was there for about a year. I've told gave my testimony before, but I I know this is where, where I was at. This is where all this was heading. I remember reading Rick Joyner's books and, and thinking, oh my word, I mean, what a profound, when I read it, I thought, oh, what a profound book. Looking at where this is ending up now, I see where I would be had I stayed in that garbage. Praise the Lord, he got me out of that. But it's very extremely enticing if you're in this, to stay in this, because you start feeling really, really super, super special. I mean, the whole thing with, you know, if you're in the whole charismatic movement, I am praying in tongues, I am better than you. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and you're not, because you don't speak in tongues. Therefore, you're probably not even saved. 
And it goes on and on and on. And now you've got, now I've, I'm basically like an ascended master. I mean, you know, I just float around the house. I don't walk anymore. I've given up my feet for Lent. You know, I, I don't need my feet anymore. What do I need those things for? I just levitate around. You know, I'm, I'm kind of funny that way. Anyway, um, yeah, it, it's, it's insane. So anyway, let's go further. Um, as more and more... Oh, I already read that. Um, let's see. This is what the New Age teaches. Okay? This whole thing that we were talking about. The Dominionists cloak their beliefs and their Luciferian agenda in more palatable terms to appeal to the undiscerning. However, it makes no matter what you wrap cyanide in to make it easier to swallow, it's still going to kill you. And this stuff that we're talking about here is totally the same stuff that Oprah promotes. Whether it's Elkhart Tolley or whoever, whatever apostate reprobate she's got on her program. And didn't they take Oprah off or something? I think they did. I don't know. Um, or she's on a different time slot or something. Anyway, we've talked a lot about Oprah in times past, and the, the cult following and re- the religion of Oprah, because it literally is. And, I mean, that woman is going to be responsible for literally millions, millions of people burning in hell um, if they don't get woke up. So, this is just part of that. This is very much, I've had a lot of people ask me, do a study on the emerging church. It's such a broad subject, it's hard for me to do a one study on it, because there's so many flavors of this garbage that are permeating. There's so much leaven right now permeating the pseudo-Christian religion of America and worldwide. I, it's almost impossible for me to keep up with it all. Uh, anyway, below is a quote, we're going to read a quote from John Lewis, from Age to Age Ministries, which explains the term, the use of the term DNA. Interestingly enough, Age to Age Ministries claims to be Christian. Okay? Now, remember, this is going to become more and more and more commonplace. Here's the quote. The 97% of your DNA that's not not activated is God waiting to be activated in men. I'd like to see book, chapter, and verse on that one. Anyway, you have the information and intelligence of Adam, the son of God, encoded into your DNA. Access and activation to this information will cause you to live as Adam, the God-man, in the garden of your, of your being. Being. Okay, he's doing all these plays on word. Um, when divine nature is completely activated within man, he will be able to naturally transport himself from place to place without the aid of modern transportation. Elijah and Philip in the Bible were only examples of what will become the norm. Now, I've heard a lot about this. We're just going to start walking through walls, and we don't need cars anymore, and I'm just going to fly over to wherever. Now, I'm not saying God couldn't do that. I'm not saying he couldn't do what he did with um, Elijah and Philip. But it's not going to be this way. I'm not saying that we're not going to see actually true biblical, more, more true biblical miracles the farther we move into the end times. But I'm very cautious about running out and running into some charismatic circle to see these supposed miracles. 
Okay, because the thing is, is I look at these people and their doctrine is totally false and they're believing all these lies and you're telling me God is using them though? Remember, the very way the Antichrist is going to come, the very way he's going to deceive the masses is through lying, signs, wonders, and miracles. Him and the false prophet both. That's going to be the very basis upon which the deception, which is going to damn billions of people to hell, is going to happen. So that should be the very thing that we're really looking out for really keenly. I also believe as evil abounds, grace all the more. So, you know, I'm not saying God can't do miracles, but we got to be real careful and examine the doctrine of the people where we're supposedly seeing these miracles from. And knowing that the miracles and lying signs and wonders are the very basis of the deception that's coming, we need to be ultra-cautious. Jesus Christ himself said, A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. So we got to be really careful with this stuff. He goes on to quote in this book as the 97% of unusual, or no, it's not a book, it's just a quote from him. As the 97% of unused DNA is activated, the two-strand double helix becomes a 12-strand DNA. Wow, I didn't know this guy was like some astrophysicist or whatever. I mean, he's even telling us physiologically what's taking place in our body. Since science doesn't understand the 97%, they don't understand the purpose for the, ex, the five extra pairs of DNA strands, which are called shadow strands. This guy's he's, a, he's the man. He's technical. He's a technical little devil. The 12-strand DNA represents man coming into his divineness. Mankind created in the image and likeness of God can be nothing less than that... Nothing less that in God, I guess, I don't know, it's a misprint. Every seed must bring forth after its kind. Man is visible, is the visible expression of the invisible God. This has been the Creator's plan from the beginning to multiply himself to the point of filling all things. In other words, we're all going to be walking around little gods. Organized religion spends the time shouting and screaming at their followers, convincing them that they are not gods. It seems to be their mission to deceive their followers into believing they are only human, that, the, that they cannot think for themselves. The powers that realize that if their followers would begin to activate the divine nature, that they would end their organized religion as we see it today. This guy just sounds like a New Age occultist to me. Well, what was the first lie in the Garden of Eden that was told? What, did, what was the first thing, the first carrot that Satan ever put out to anyone, which caused the first sin in the Bible. What did he say to Eve? Oh, no, you shall be as gods. You shall be as gods. That was the first temptation he laid before her. He's not changed a bit. He's just changed his tactics a little bit. He's got a little, you know, he's approaching this from a ton of different angles and different cults and religions. Now, I'm going to read you this. This was I read this before. It's a brief paragraph from a listener I got regarding junk DNA. He says, Brother Scott, I hope you bring what I'm writing to the attention of your listeners as they should be informed that, quote, junk DNA cannot possibly be of alien origin. I work as a molecular biologist and the following information is pretty basic stuff for the people in my field. So it's just embarrassing that a scientist would try to pass this patently goofy alien DNA hypothesis off as truth. Now, I had reported 
in, a, in the previous study that they are, all these scientists are coming out saying that this junk DNA, all it is, is because, see, the aliens came here billions and billions of years ago, and they seeded our planet with humanity, and essentially, whether that humanity evolved or whether they created it just like we are now, it's, it's irrelevant, because according to intelligent design, or the ancient astronaut theory, these aliens came here, and we were their little science project, seeded the planet with, with either humanity or the potential for humanity, and essentially they're our creators. But the thing is, is they all of this junk DNA that we still have in our genes is kind of left over from that science project thing. It's just kind of, you know, stupid and just kind of where they messed up on stuff. Now I'm going to go back to this article. Most non-coding DNA in humans is one of two things. Now this would be this 97% supposedly junk DNA. Most non-coding DNA in humans is one of two things. Intronic DNA or intergenic DNA. While neither of them code for protein or RNA structures, they have important roles nonetheless. Without getting into too much detail, intronic DNA allows for alternative splicing, which allows our cells to store the information for several different proteins in one gene. This is how our various antibodies are so carefully tailored by our immune response to handle so many different targets. Intergenic DNA is the DNA in between two adjacent genes and it contains sequences called promoters, which react with special proteins to turn gene expression on and off as needed. These systems are very complex and allow for a tremendous amount of regulation needed for the individual cell to do all that one does in a harmonious manner. I hope this helps Clint. Yeah, it does help Clint. God bless you. Well, there you have it. Okay, this is from a molecular biologist. That's, this is basic stuff. This is like they're just totally ignoring all this, what he just said. And saying that this, this one freak that we just quoted from, who says he's a Christian, basically says, you know, it's the 97% that we just need to activate through the divine nature or whatever, and, and probably getting into a lotus position and spitting marbles and contemplating our belly button four times a day. I mean, some new age or whatever thing that you'd have to do. It's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, it, it's so crazy what's going on. When God made us, he knew what he was doing, okay? I give two links to audio studies I've done, one on the ancient astronaut lie, and the other one on transhumanism, vaccinations, and DNA, which also relate to the other subject we were talking about. Now let's look at some various quotes from New Age Apostolic, the Reformation leaders. This one is from uh, April 2008 newsletter by Prayer Focus Ministries, describing the Apostolic Alliance gathering in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Quote, we participated in the leadership meeting on Monday um, prior to the conference where Dutch released the vision of the Apostolic Alliance. I'm, I'm assuming they're referring to Dutch Sheets. I always loved his name, Dutch. He's, he's one of the many reprobates like with, he's, he was with like Hagen and, and all those when, when the Charismania really, really got rolling. Okay, Dutch Sheets. Actually, his first name is Double. It's double Dutch sheets. Sorry. Sorry, lost control there. But anyway, yeah, Dutch released a vision of the Apostolic Alliance. It was powerful three days of God imparting his DNA into this apostolic movement for national transformation. Boy, you know, Dutch, you really nailed it on the head. I really see the church doing great and mighty things for the Lord Jesus Christ. They're really getting into a lot of the sin issues and, the, and those types of issues that need dealt with. Oh, no, no, they don't need to get into those things because they're above that, right? 
they want a glory in their shame. It's it's okay. You know, we don't want to send any messages to people that maybe we'll get our 501c3 status revoked, or maybe we might offend somebody, or, you know, we don't want to do that. We just want to tickle everybody's ears. And we know that miracles and lying signs and wonders are a great way to do that. So we're going to go for it, you know, full bore. Anyway, here's the next quote from C. Peter Wagner, one of the uh, apostates of all apostates of this stuff. Um, And this is from... Guest Commentary and Ministry Today. This is from September 6, 06. He says, In an apostolic network, the person in charge of maintaining the DNA of the network is the lead apostle who consults with those he or she chooses and no one else. Wow. Again, I would love to see the, the book, chapter, and verse on that one in the Bible. These guys have so thrown away their Bibles so long ago and only go by what they call, they only operate in the supposed prophetic. Meaning dreams, signs and wonders, words from God. doesn't matter if it contradicts the word of God. You know, anything goes. Again, if you think you're hearing from God and what you're hearing contradicts the word of God, then let me give you a newsflash. You didn't hear it from God. But you heard it from a lying and deceitful spirit. But the, the spirit said he was Jesus. You know what? There's a lot of spirits out there that want to imitate and, and um, try to um, counterfeit the Holy Spirit, Jesus, good angels, these types of things. The Bible says to test the spirits. So if they're telling you something that's contradictory to the Bible, they're not of God. Because God's not going to contradict his word. Why? Because he's not the author of confusion. And I could give you a ton of other verses too, but it's obvious. So, again, I'm glad we got this cleared up from C. Peter Wagner. The person in the apostolic network... Now, if these guys were really apostles, why aren't they going around doing the exact things that the apostles were doing? Like healing people and, you know, all this... I mean, they try, they fancy themselves to do this, but I don't see the uh, healing percentage just being anywhere near what the actual original apostles were operating in. Sorry. But... The Apostolic Network, the person in charge of maintaining the DNA of the network. What does that mean? We've all got DNA. What, have they got special DNA? I would believe they think that their DNA is special. And this is the lead apostle. He's like the Grand Poobah, okay? He's the one that wears the special hat and has the special handshake, the whole nine yards. And it says, who consults with who he or or she chooses. So it can be a woman too. And no one else. So in other words... I decide who I talk to. I decide who has a um, an office with me. Who 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 dares come before my presence? I decide these things, and 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 me and me alone. I'm the one. Oh, give me a break! I mean, you talk about pride. Pride goes before destruction. I mean. This is unbelievable. Okay, let's go further. Now, I also gave a link then to my study on dominionism and kingdom now. I'll give you a link, so if you want to hear more about this wonderful, wonderful thing that's infiltrating uh, pseudo-Christianity. Here's another uh, one. This is from New Breed. Ryan Wyatt, Abiding Glory Ministries, Open Heaven. God is trying to get us to a place of really understanding who we are. The church is having an identity crisis. When the people of God begin to realize that the purpose of Jesus on earth 
was to birth a new breed of people who would carry the DNA of God within them and bring heaven to earth daily. Man, I have been so deceived for so long. I didn't realize this was Jesus Christ. I thought he came here to seek and save the lost. And to be a servant, not to be, you know, I, I could have swore he was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth and he had to go to the cross and to pay our sin debt. And uh, I, No, that wasn't his purpose on earth. The, the purpose of Jesus on earth, according to this guy, was to birth a new breed of people who would carry the DNA of God within them and bring heaven to earth daily. I see a lot of that going on. I mean, this is a heaven on earth type of place. I mean, it's just getting gooder and gooder and gooder every day, right? Sorry, excuse my French there. We will begin to live with purpose when this all happens, is what this guy says. When the people of God begin to realize their identity as the very offspring of God, and that He is right now, so so are we in this world, the church will begin to shake the nations with the power of God. I always hear a lot of this talk of, we're going to shake the nations, we're going to take the earth by storm, we're going to do this and we're going to do that, and everything just continues to degenerate and get worse, and wickedness abounds, and, you know. The Bible says it was going to be that way. That evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. I mean, you could go on and on and on about the the Bible, how it describes the end times, and it's not like they're describing it. Again, they've just left their Bibles a long time ago, these guys. They would rather go by whatever word they believe that they're getting from God. Insight is the... Okay, here's another one. This is the Chuck Pierce School of Spirit, Faith, of Spirit, of the Spirit. Faith Summit Church. Okay, he says, Insight is the God-given ability for you to know your identity, your kingdom ID. I guess we get a little ID card, maybe. And that says your spiritual DNA, your uniqueness in the earth and in the body of Christ. There is no one like you. You are predestined for greatness. Sounds good. Sounds like a Tony Robbins guy. Kind of of like one of these uh, infomercial dudes. Okay. Let's go further. This is from Shepherd's Rod, Part 1, Blood and Fire, Paul Keith Davis and Bob Jones. The living word or bread of life once again desires to be made flesh through a body of people joined with him in a holy consummation. As we live not by natural bread alone, but by the living word proceeding out of the mouth of God, the bread of abundant life, even so the hidden truth of godliness will become part of our spiritual DNA. Now, remember, I talked a lot about DNA. Talked a lot about DNA, particularly in the last year. What we're just talking about the DNA for earlier when they were wanting to clone us and for us to eat clone things or for us to have stuff injected into our body through these vaccines, all of this corrupting our own DNA, why would they? Why would Satan be so bent on corrupting our DNA? Well, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What was the main thing, if you went back to Noah's day, that was going on? The sons of God saw the daughters of men that fair, took them wise all they chose, bore this race of giants. DNA of mankind was, from that point, started to be corrupted. And it says that in, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Aren't we on the cusp of this? Of Jesus' return, the end times? Yeah, we are. Well, shouldn't we be looking for that? Well, it's we don't have to look. It's all around us. 
how they're trying to corrupt our DNA. It's a little more subtle. Well, I don't know if it's subtle, but it's it's a little more. They're, they're going at it from I bet I believe a lot of more different angles in today's day and age. They're trying to put this wonderful veneer on it, and it's pure evil. This is something that we should be looking for. And unfortunately, you know, these people are just buying into all this hook, line, and sinker. And they're actually, I mean, they're actually um, pointing people to this stuff. It's just, it's just unbelievable what's going on here. Uh, okay, let's go further here. I have called, here's one from Vineyard Prophecy Conference, 1989. He says, I've called the best of every bloodline in earth under this generation. I have elected to bring forth in this generation, the elect generation, even the bloodline of Paul and of David and of Peter, James and John. Now, when you talk about a bloodline, that's a specific bloodline. How could you, I mean, what if you weren't even Jewish? How could that, Paul, David, or Peter, how could their bloodline be in you? Oh, it's supernaturally imparted, evidently. Oh, okay, I'm glad I got that straight now. And then it goes on to say, they will even be superior to them in heart, stature, and love for me. Your children will possess the Spirit without measure. Now, the only time in the Bible that anyone ever had the Spirit without measure was Jesus Christ. So they're going to basically, you're telling me they're going to be walking around like Jesus Christ? The Holy Spirit without measure? They will move, and this, this is why these, these conferences, it's just such vomit that they spew out. Such lies. And people just eat it up. And they don't think, they don't, they don't look at these prophecies. You know what I got out of this stuff? was when Jesus Christ started showing me that, you know what, these all these prophecies that have been spoken and spoken over myself personally or spoken over other people, you know what, they're not coming to pass. They don't come to pass. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means they're not hearing from God. Well, does that is that a green light for me to stay in this stuff? Or is it, or is it a green light for me to get out of it? Well, I got out of it. This goes on to further say, they will move in things of the supernatural that no one has ever moved in before. Oh, doesn't that tickle your ears? Man, you know how much of this garbage I heard when I was in that? Oh, you're going to be mighty man of God. You're going to do this. You're going to do mighty exploits. Tickles my ears. But, you know, they just spew lie after lie after lie. And the crazy thing about it is, is the people that are into this stuff, and I used to be there, they just go on as though all the other things that were spoken to them, even when they don't come to pass, just like they just forget about it and go on. And they eat more of it up. And it never ends. Unless God, unless they humble themselves and they get right before God and God shows them. Um, so anyway, they move into things of the supernatural that no one has ever moved in before. Coming into the divine nature of Jesus Christ, a church that has reached the full maturity of the God-man. What was Hitler's main goal? He was, that was his main goal too. The Aryan, the fifth root race, the God-man. You watch any documentary on Hitler, it was the same deal. We're going to become this God-man, this super-Aryan race, this, you know, the Atlantean race rebirthed. Do you understand how much in lockstep this new apostolic reformation, all this DNA, this merging church, how they're becoming more and more in lockstep with all the other cults of the world? Well, we're going to have to have a one-world religion what is that one world religion going to be based out of? Witchcraft. The Bible even talks about the Antichrist. I mean, how is the Antichrist going to perform all the miracles, lying signs, and wonders? Oh, is it going to be? Is he going to be doing parlor tricks and sleight of hands? I don't think so. 
It's going to be purely through the power of Satan. Where does the power of Satan emanate? If you, if you define that in a supernatural sense, it's witchcraft. He says the Antichrist is going to cause craft to prosper in his hand. He's going to be an understander of dark sentences. He is going to be the full embodiment, the biggest, most um, impressive witch, warlock, whatever you want to call him in the history of the planet. And this whole thing about the God-man is very much in line with that. And then this ends by saying this generation is going to see the beginning of the worldwide new order. This was at a Vineyard Prophecy Conference in 89. This was before I was even saved and they were saying this stuff. A worldwide new order? What, like the new world order? Yeah. Well, the new world order is the basic crux and essence of the coming one world religious system, political system, financial system, whatever you want to name it. See how the church is, this, the pseudo-church is going to just be in totally in line with this. Uh, next quote. These Gnostic Oh no, this is this is a quote from the from the actual article. These Gnostic Kabbalistic doctrines are not the new revelations that today's modern false apostles and prophets would have you believe. It was this same ye shall be as gods lie, whispered by the serpent in the Garden of Eden long ago, which led to the downfall of man and our need for redemption through Jesus Christ in the first place. But see, again, what is this moving away? It's moving away from our dependence upon Jesus Christ because why do we need to be dependent? We're gods. We don't, we don't need salvation or redemption through anyone else. Hey, we're gods. We're, we're on equal footing with Jesus. They probably think they're better than Jesus. Who knows? These people are delusional. Is this not fitting that this lie is now the central theme of the last day's apostate church? Genesis, um, uh, in Genesis it says, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Now this was in direct opposition to what God said. So what was Satan doing? What was the serpent doing? He was questioning God's word. The serpent comes along and says the exact opposite. He's still doing the same thing today. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. So what was the serpent promising? He was promising this higher gnosis, or this hidden knowledge. And then it goes on to say, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Isn't that what they're, they're, they're attempting to attain here? The God-man? Isn't that really what all cult religions are attempting to attain? Whether it be Buddhism, Hinduism, whatever flavor of religion you're wanting to attain. I mean, the, the Pope believes he's the vicar of Christ, what does that word mean? Well, vicar means substitute. He's the substitute Christ on this earth. He has attained that status, evidently. And he's nothing but a devil. Peter warned Christians of destruction and heretical doctrines being brought into the church in 2 Peter 2, 1-3. But there were false prophets also among you, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies. Privately means secretly. Now that's from the 1828 definition, or privately, privately, or secretly. That was from 1828, no Webster Dictionary, how the words were defined as they were written back in, you know, a couple hundred years ago. Who shall privily bring in damnable heresies. Why? Because these heresies, if you embrace them and walk in them, can damn you to hell. Then it goes on to say, even denying the Lord that bought them. 
Well, when you start to believe all this God-man garbage and, and all this, I'm going to be as gods and, and we're so spiritual and my DNA and this and that, you are denying the Lord that bought you. You're, you're believing another gospel. And when you believe or teach or, or propagate another gospel, the Bible says, let him be accursed. And what, what's the result here? even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. See, unfortunately, there's very few that, wanna, that, that really want to follow the path of truth. Many want to follow these ways. Why? Because they tickle their ears, and it feels right, and, and their heart says, oh, it's great. By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. So in other words, people that are doing this, oh, if that's what a Christian is, I don't want anything to do with it. Well, because the way of truth is evil spoken of them. Because they say they're Christians, and if people see this from these people, they're like, oh yeah, you're a real great Christian. You're just nothing more than a fruitcake. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. They're coveting things. With feigned words. The word feigned in the 1828 Noah Webster's means invented, devised, imagined, or assumed. Their feigned words will be devised in such a way to elicit the greatest response from their audience and manipulate them for gain. Not only gain of prestige and power, but gain of money. Because the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's what a lot of these people are all about. They write books for that reason. They have ministries for that reason. They would never admit it. But when they stand before God, they'll, they're not going to be able to, de- to deny it. Because God sees right through us. We can't hide anything from Him. And again, I'm not saying that because I think I'm Mr. Wonderful. I'm just saying, I, I mean, I'm speaking as much to myself as I am anyone else. Many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, and through covetous shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. These people are going to hell. And if the blind lead at the blind, they're both going to fall into a ditch. So this isn't just a matter of, oh, I don't, I don't see things that way in the scripture. This is a matter today, this subject here, we're talking about heaven and hell. We're not just talking about, well, you know, I don't quite think that. and, and uh, You know, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Stop following man and start following the word of God. The Bible says, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. You're trusting in a man. If, if you're trusting C. Peter Wagner, or Rick Joyner, or any of these or uh, Rick Joyner, just, just so you all know, gave the rubber stamp of approval for, for Todd Bentley to come back into ministry. Who left his wife and, and you know was with this other woman? Eh, it's all it's all water under the bridge. Hey, you know, Mister Tattoos all over him. He's back now. He's I don't believe he'll ever be what he was before, but um, yeah, Rick Joyner, you know, gave the old stamp of approval. The truth to them will act as a bait by which ensnaring the undiscerning. Actually, the false the false truth which they're putting out would they ensnare the undiscerning. Interestingly enough, the words "make merchandise of you" means to traffic or trade. Peter is literally warning the church that these false prophets will use people for money. 
They're going to make merchandise of you. What is the motivation of all these prosperity preachers and all the TBN crowd and all that stuff? It's that very reason. The love of money is the root of all evil. It's pretty pretty simple to, to see once you look at it. We are living in a day when a large portion of the church has spiraled into apostasy. In order to avoid deception, we must love and cling to the truth, the King James Bible, the Word of God, so passionately that it motivates us to pursue it at all costs. We must diligently and prayerfully make studying Scripture a priority. We must be concerned enough about what we ingest spiritually to verify it against His Word. It does not matter who the teaching comes from or how right it may sound. It must be examined in the light of Scripture. Dictatorship and tyranny in the natural realm has always been preceded by disarming the people of truth. So it is with the spiritual things. As Christians, our weapon is the word of God. Remember, it's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. For many years, Satan has been disarming us by slowly removing the word of God from our everyday lives. He's done that primarily through all the false Bible versions that started in 1881 through the two occultists, Westcott and Hort, who, who, who translated two corrupt Catholic manuscripts, the, the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus which can trace your, your roots all the way back to um, Egypt. The word of God has been corrupted and polluted through, the, through those false Bible versions. Other than the King James Bible, virtually all the other ones have been corrupted and polluted. Again, with this movement, they've gone so far beyond the word of God that Bible versions would have little meaning to them because they're... These people, I've been around enough of them to know that they live their lives essentially by whatever word they're hearing from God. Now, I'm not saying you can't hear from God, okay? But if what you're hearing from God, again, contradicts the word of God, you're not hearing from God. You're hearing from a lying, deceiving spirit. And you better cut off that communication and repent uh, because this is not something you... And not only that, then if you start going around telling other people this or that, and you're giving them words from lying and deceiving spirits, then you're responsible to God for that as well. So then you become a stumbling block before others. Uh, let's see here. Where he has been unsuccessful in complete removal, he has misquoted, twisted, and perverted the word. This is talking about Satan. By doing so, he has brought the truth into dis disrepute. Without the Bible, we are defenseless against the wiles of the enemy and can easily turn aside to the fables being peddled as truth by the false apostles and prophets of today's apostate church. Great article this guy wrote. This is by Michel at DeceptionBites.com and I give you the uh, DeceptionBites.com I give you the, the link for it. Excellent article that this guy wrote. Um... And I also give you the link at the very end to the thing about Rockefeller building the Third Temple, that that's a hoax. Um, I gave you that link too. So, and I also give you the link to the um, teaching I did on the King James Version defended as the preserved word of God. You can hear all those. So try to give those. And when I get the, um, when I get the website, when we get it all properly archived and searchable, then I'm going to... Point everybody to the Contending for Truth website. You can still go up there to get all the teachings, but it's just not in a searchable format um, at this time. But they're all up there. They're all at contendingfortruth.com. Uh, anyway, go ahead and close us out in a word of prayer here. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us. I thank you, Lord, that we were able to come again and go over some of these current events, Lord, and how the Bible relates to them. 
I do praise you, Lord God, for your goodness and mercy. I praise you for my mom's salvation, Lord, and my dad's salvation. And, and I, I thank you, Lord God, for my listeners. I pray you bless them, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray you you would um, bless their unsaved family members, Lord God, but bless them with the with the gift of salvation, Lord. And whatever it takes, as I pray for my mom and dad to get them saved, if you have to hang them out over hell, Lord God, do whatever it takes to get them saved, Lord God, um, so that they don't burn in hell, that if it takes the fear of God, whatever it takes, Lord, I just pray that you do, that you'd forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form. As we forgive those who have sinned against us, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us, Lord God in heaven, and thy name would be glorified through the body of Christ, and that many would be saved as a result of what you would do through us. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.